126 Secret Lane by Ella Good, a Cherry Falls Romance. My parents named me Glory, but I'm having a hard time living up to that name. As a reporter, I long for a meaty, fascinating story to splash across the front page of the Cherry Hills Gazette. Sadly, I've been reduced to writing dating tips and recipes. I know there are stories here, but I haven't discovered them yet. Unless, there's this mysterious guy who bought the big house on Secret Lane. He never eats in our restaurants or shops in our grocery store or even drinks at the pub. I think he may be my story, my big break. Hope he doesn't mind a little stalking. Secret lane guy here? Stalk away. I can't wait to lure you into my new home. A word of advice though, once I've got you, I plan to keep you. That's 126 Secret Lane by Ella Good, a Cherry Falls romance. Grab it now. Prince Charming, a Cinderella novel by Kay Webster. Winston Constantine is no Prince Charming. I crave him so badly I think I might be losing my mind. He's right in front of me, but he's just as remote as my dreams of getting away from my stepbrothers. I keep playing his twisted games, and I want to stay just as distant as he is, but I can't. I never could. I've fallen for him. Hopelessly, irrevocably. But Winston isn't a lover. He's a business venture. A way for me to pay for college, ticket out. He's never pretended to be anything other than that. I can't blame him for making me fall in love. There can be no happily ever after between a maid and a prince, no matter what the stories say. Grab Prince Charming, a Cinderella novel by Kay Webster. It's out today. Hey, lady listeners. What is up? What is up? We are here for our second part of Tessa Bailey Week. Yes, that's right. I was I was about to just jump into our conversation. I know you were. I, like, like, oh, I cut off our food talk. I was like, oh, we like, were talking sorry, about food, and I was like, let's just hit record and keep going. And so when we did, I was literally going to be like, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're here for the second installment of Tessa Bailey's Renaissance Man. We we played the first part for you on Tuesday. So if you're just listening out, go back and listen to the first installment of it. We're going to talk for a little bit and then we'll we'll play the rest for you. So we talked about uh, this past weekend, uh, we took our girls. My my youngest daughter lost a front tooth. It was a big deal. She was a baby bitch about it. <laughs> she was she was so fucking dramatic. She didn't cry when it happened. But afterwards, she was like, I'm just really proud of myself. And then she just started <laughs> crying. And then she got mad at me because it hurt. You know, like, it was my fault. I don't know. It was just, it was, it was a fucking scene. I want to thank me. (laughs) (laughs) I deserve this. So, yeah. So she just, she was so fucking dramatic about it. I mean, God damn it. She's just like me. (sighs) Anyway, so to celebrate and, you know, really just give us an excuse to get out of the house. We went to this place and it's called Cowfish and they do sushi and they also do like really good burgers and chicken sandwiches and stuff like that but they have this thing it's called burgushi and it's cheeseburgers that are done like sushis they're rolled up and cut and decorated like sushi is and you can eat it like on a platter like a sushi 
There's one in Charlotte and there's one in Orlando at uh, Universal Studios. It's in the the place just outside it. Like it's called City Walk. And so I think if I remember correctly, someone told me that they were looking for like restaurants and stuff in that area. And someone had gone to Charlotte, North Carolina and eaten at this restaurant. And they said, I want to open one of these up here. And so that was, that was how it happened. They just ate at this restaurant. They thought it was a cool concept and they took it to City Walk. And it so, is. I seen you eating it and mm-hmm. I was like, I like some sushi, a handful of sushi, mm-hmm. but I can never go there because none of my family will eat it. But if they had burgers, I'd be able yep. to go. Yeah. Well, and they have And this- they were big. It looked oh, good. Yeah. Like, it looked like a... American fried food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just to give like a, a super honest critique, their sushi is really, really good. I love it. Their sandwiches and burgers. Their desserts are not my favorite. Like they do milkshakes and they're just okay. We've had a couple of different kinds and we're like, I probably won't do dessert there again, but I'll go there any day of the week for sushi. It's so good. I had a grilled chicken avocado sandwich with bacon on it. And then we had crab rangoon dip. Which she would love. Like, so, all right. So, next time you come to Charlotte, we'll go there. But it's this big plate of crab, like the inside of crab rangoons. And the chips they give you to go with it are like wontons, except they're like paper thin and they're really crispy. So, like, you can hardly dip them without the chip just crumbling, but it's just so good. And you just sort of shovel it into your mouth. I'm, my mouth is watering. So, anyway, so they, we got that dip. We got edamame. And then, what was the Oh, we got calamari. We got the fried squid, which my, my oldest daughter, Lydia, she loved that. She thought that was the greatest thing. She, but she's really adventurous. She's an adventurous eater. But then um, we got a bunch of different sushis. And then we got one of the burgushis. But we got barbecue. I think it was, I think it was beef barbecue where it was just like flavored like beef in the side, the sushi roll. And then they topped it with slaw. So you ate, yeah. So you ate the little circle of sushi with the slaw on top. You just popped in the whole thing like a a piece of sushi. And it was fucking awesome. It was like, it was like eating brisket wrapped up in sushi. It, It wrapped up in, it was almost like a crescent roll or something they put it in. They put it in like a bread. My God, soup is going to be so lame when we're done here. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I don't, we either talk about food or the weather. I don't know why we always get hanging out. We're such old ladies. I actually left before we did the podcast. I realized I was out of cat food. I was like, I'm going to go. And Pete was the only one that hadn't ate because he was over at my mom. So I was like, yes. I'm just going to grab you dinner while I'm out. Uh-huh. What do you want? And you know what he requests? I said, only stuff in town. He's like, I'll take Burger King. I'm like, okay, what do you want? He's like, Four large fries and a Hershey pie. And I'm like, whatever, it's a pandemic. I don't even care. (laughs) (laughs) Did you say four large French fries? Yes, four large French fries. I had to pull over and wait because I had to make a whole bag. I'm like, I'm just going to get them all. I bet you can't eat them all. I challenge you. But all right. And a Hershey pie. Uh Did he eat them all? When I came up here, he had two down. <laughs> Holy shit. Do you, he's not, he doesn't normally eat a lot of food, though, does no, he? No, he's been eating a ton lately. Oh, he must be growing. He's also growing yeah, a ton. Yeah, yeah. So I've just, all the time, he wants something, a lot of meat, generally. That's why I was surprised in NASCAR Burger. I was like, all right, whatever. So now that you say this, it, I want to bring this up. I'm reading this book to my daughter. It's called Celebrate Your Body, and it's Changes too. The Ultimate Puberty Book for Girls. It's by Sonia Renee Taylor. I got it for eight bucks off of Amazon, like a paper copy. I heard Celia talk about it and she really likes it. Okay. It is so great. It is so 
body positive. Like there's nothing that it says in the thing. It says, you notice we don't mention the word beautiful. And it says, because there you're so many more things than that. And I was like, welcome to the club, ladies. Like <laughs> This is great. And it was, it was just so body positive. It's so great. And so we're reading the book together and we're like, you know, on chapter five or something like that. And I just love that it talks about like, you're going to grow at different times. You're going to, you know, you're going to be hungry for certain things at certain times and your body's going to fluctuate. Like you may be round, you may be soft, you may be skinny, like you're going to be all these things and you may be all of these things at different points through your journey of puberty. And I was like, I like this. This is so great. And so, because, you know, one of the things I've noticed is like my friends with boys right now, they're like, oh my God, they're eating so much, you know, like your son, like like, oh my God, they're just like inhaling everything. And I feel like my daughter's doing that too. And there's a part of me that has like this knee jerk reaction of like, oh, she shouldn't be eating this. Like she's eating so much right now. Like, is this okay? Like, am I creating bad food habits? Like, am I creating a bad relationship with food because she's just stuffing herself? It's like, a sticky subject. But uh, yeah, is. I get what you're saying. Cause like right now, I with was, a boy, I wouldn't blink. So thin, I'm like, whatever, eat away. Even with but, a boy, I wouldn't think twice about it because I'm like yeah they're just a growing boy you hear that all the time like oh they're just boys will eat you out of house and home I'm like my daughter's doing that right now you know and I don't know at what point it's healthy and not healthy and I just keep like this book has been a good reminder even for me to be like chill the fuck out mom I remember my mom struggled with it a lot with one of ours and she just she was really good about it yeah. She uh did I ever tell you about what she did? I don't she know. just she never she doesn't say the word diet. Yeah. Or anything like that. She just starts stripping things from the home. Yeah. Yeah. And then she starts mm-hmm. well, she actively does it for the whole house. She just starts mm-hmm. making healthier things in general. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, she doesn't I've talk definitely about done it. That. She doesn't say that anything's going on. She just does that. But I, I like know, that yeah. aspect of it is like to, to, you know what, to just say, all right, well, let's control what you're eating instead of the amount that you're eating. And so that's what I've tried to do is like always give them healthy options. I'm like, do you want a snack? Okay. How about this and this? You know, like one thing you like and one thing that's good for you. I just always, I also have this problem. Even I think if my kid was a little overweight, I don't know, but I'm such a food person. A lot yeah. of my day is more mm-hmm. around food, even though I've lost a ton of weight. I still have a huge addiction to food. Everything I do is a food reward. Mm-hmm. I do things for food. And I would just hate to think that my kid be like, I really want this mm-hmm. piece yeah. of cake. And to be like, no. I know. That's what I feel like, too, <laughs> that I'm creating these unhealthy relationships with food because I'm always saying no. You know what I mean? But then I'm like, why do I have to say no? I would hate for somebody to tell me I could yeah. not have that cake. Every- no, you can't have yeah. cake. You can't have cake. Can't have and, cake. My, and the difference between my two kids is night and day because, I mean, they're obviously two different people. But my oldest one, very food motivated, will do anything. Be like, oh, okay, well, if I do this kind of piece of candy or if we do this, can we get dinner from here or whatever? Like, she'll, like that, she's, her reward system is food and my youngest one she's like I want things (laughs) she's like buy me this if I do this you know so it's It's hard yeah because I I also think if you deprive somebody of something they're gonna grow up and probably have the opposite of that's what I need every fucking cake they have they see every day yeah and because they can that's the way I feel like I my relationship with food is that where it's like, I feel like I'm constantly telling myself no, and then I'm telling myself, fuck you. 
That's that's my back and forth all day where I'm like, no, Leah, you can't do this. And I'm like, fuck you, Leah. I'm eating four. You know, like that's that's the, I'm a Gemini. OK, <laughs> but, you know, like I don't want her to have a bad relationship with food because I told her no her whole life. And like my husband went to college and discovered chicken wings. You know, like, and then all of a sudden he put on 40 pounds his freshman year. That's amazing. Yeah, because he he was like, my mom never let us have chicken wings. He was like, I didn't eat Mexican food. He was like, because they didn't like that. So we never ate that. He was like, so when I went to college, he was like, what the fuck is this? And he was like, and then I went overboard. My daughter eats a Pop-Tart and she's like, I'm full. I'm like, get out of here. That's how my little one is. Yep. Hallie's like, I'm like, how do you, like, she lives off of white starches. That's it. But I mean, she'll just take two or three bites of something and she's like, I'm so full. God, I wish I was like that. I'm like, how is that? She's like, I don't know. She's like, it's so good, but I'm full. I'm like, how do you just stop? You just stop? You just like put it down? (laughs) That's like the, what's the comedian that says that? I don't eat, I don't stop eating when the meal's done. I stop when I'm sick. Like, that's when I, that's when I stop eating, when I hate myself. I think it was Jim Gaffigan, maybe, but yeah, like that joke always was like, that's not even funny. That's my reality. I stop eating when I want to throw up. (laughs) Like, that's, that's how I know I'm full. (laughs) But I think that through life, you know, you're just going to do the best you can. And even when she gets older, she's going to have her eating habits change and she'll try different things Mm -hmm. that work for her. Yeah. She's going to be the way it is. You know, and I look at it too, that my sister was a lot like her when she was younger. She, you know, before she hit puberty, she was a little on the chubby side. My sister was. And as soon as she hit puberty, it was like, like puppy fat or something. It just melted off of her. Now she's so slim. And I just think like, well, that never happened to me. <laughs> like I just, I never hit that stage. I just kept going. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Oliver was like that. Really? Really? He yeah. Went, like, yeah. Chubby. And then it went through a phase and it's like, Boom. All of a sudden, yeah, just super lean. And, you know, and the opposite happened to my husband and my brother, where they both look emaciated. When they were in high school, they were both just skin and bones because it was like their body was growing so fast and they were eating so much. It was like their body couldn't hold on to the fat. And now the both of them are so much bigger than they were then. I know, it was so funny. There's this one shirt my brother has. God, I wish he listened to this podcast. But, um... It's like a plaid button-up shirt, and he had it in high school. And I remember we were with somewhere, and my sister-in-law was beside me, and she said something about a shirt, and she was like, where'd you get that? And he was like, babe, I've had this since high school. And she was like, damn, that shirt must have been huge on you back then, because <laughs> it was, like, tight on him now. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. That was a sick burn ash. Way to go. And she was like, I didn't mean it that way. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just hold that burn, babe. <laughs> She's like, damn, that was huge on you. Like, she totally just fucking called him out. It was great. Oh, that's amazing. I know. And if you knew the two of them. Big, like, buff. I know. (laughs) Yeah, if you knew the both of them, it would be a much better story even still. So, whatever. But, um, 
Yeah, so so we did that this weekend. We went out to eat, and it w- we ordered so much food. I, I think I told you, I think our bill was like 200 bucks or something. But we hadn't been out to eat in so long. It was like none of us knew how to act. The kids were, we were all talking so loud. We were eating so sloppy. And I was like, Jesus Christ, we're not used to public anymore. It was like we lost all decorum. <laughs> we lost everything. Peyton hasn't left the house, but maybe five times. And he asked me to leave the house on Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember. I was like, sure, let's go get food. We went far away. Yeah. It became an event. We stopped at Burger King and I got an iced coffee and he got a fry for the road. Uh-huh. And then you we need went one for the he, road, as you do. Yeah. And he then we went to a steakhouse where he liked the appetizer, went there, then we went to another steakhouse. My husband wanted a steak from. So we like went to everybody's place and picked oh stuff up. That's so and great. drove it I back love home. That. Just because he wanted to be out of the house from it. So we just drove yeah. around picking up all this to go. Mm-hmm. But it was everybody ordered. There was like I was coming up with all these bags from like five different places. My husband was like going on <laughs> <laughs> i love that though that's so fun where everybody kind of gets what they want and it makes it more of an adventure when you get out of the house and do that yeah. so it was just it was a moment for all four of us to be together and to just be like you know what let's just go out to dinner the, this place the the cowfish does an amazing job they're so safe like their their wait time is two hours because they only have a handful of tables in this restaurant that they have open right now. Like, you can't just walk in. It is a wait, like, you know, that kind of thing. You have to wait outside, spread out. Like, they're so safe about it that it's nice to go. So, anyways, um, we did that Saturday night. And then Sunday, or that we did that, I don't remember, whatever. Monday, we were off for MLK. My husband was off work. My kids were home. And so we were like, you know, let's just go for a walk or something like because I wanted to talk to them about what the day was, you know, was Martin Luther King like this is the reason you're out of school. We're not just, you know, hanging out like there's a purpose to this. You know, this is the reason daddy's not working today. And so um, so we went for a walk to this really nice place that's near us and it's this really pretty trail and you go up and it has this nice look out and everything it's beautiful and it was a beautiful day and so we went up there and you know the hike took us like maybe two hours round trip it wasn't hard or anything it was just walking and so when we got to the halfway point we got to the lookout and um we just sat up there and we talked about well you know we were like well what's civil rights what is, what is that? You know, we were asked the kids, well, what is that? Do you know what that means? Let's explain what this is. And let's, do you know what privilege is? Let's talk about what that is, what it means to be white. You know, we have these conversations and, and, you know, my kids, my daughter's about to be 10 and, um, my other one is seven or sorry, she's six and a half. She's six and a half. She'll be seven. That's I've already got it in my head that there'll be 10 and seven this year. I've already flipped the calendar in my brain. So anyway, so six and a half and almost 10. So they don't really comprehend. I mean, my oldest one is very, very smart and very bright. Like she catches on quickly, even when we don't want her to. So she understood a lot of what we were saying. My youngest one, she doesn't really understand it, but to talk about what fairness is and what acceptance is and what division is, you know, she gets that. So, you know, and I have to say credit to that um, goes to my friend Abby Knox that uh, lives here in my town. She took me to the Civil Rights Museum in Greensboro two years ago 
we went through and we saw the counter where they had the sit-ins and stuff. Like, it's there still. So we went and toured this museum and it was incredible. And we got to the end of it and I felt really moved by this. It was all so wonderful. And the kids are sitting there and they're making a craft. And I just look at her. I'm like, I don't, I don't think they get any of this. And she was like, we're just planting seeds. It is. Like, I was thinking that when yeah. you were saying, I was like, we're planting seeds. And that's what it was. It was just such a simple way to to recognize that and to recognize that even these small things, these small conversations that we have on the top of a hill, you know, on a, on an off Monday, you've got to plant these little seeds. I mean, so. But then you'll turn around. And I remember I was saying to you, my kid said something I never thought, you know, he would realize or where I'm yeah. thinking then. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, OK, things are sticking. Yeah. Things are changing. Yeah. 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 And that's what we hope is that the, the next generation that they blossom and grow into something way better than the ones before. So we had this, um, we had this great day and, you know, like I said, we had good conversations with the kids and we got back in the car. And by that point, I mean, we left the house really early. We had gotten breakfast to go. You know, we, I think we left the house at like, like nine o'clock or something. We didn't get back to like three or four and we came home and I had a nap and my husband ordered Domino's for dinner. And I was like, I was like, this is the best day ever. (laughs) Like I woke up to Domino's. (laughs) It's, So, you know, we're sitting there, we're eating dinner. And I was like, I said, it felt so good to do something today. Even if it was just like a a small thing where we spent time together on a walk. I said, we made a plan. We went and did it. We were gone for a long time away from the house. And when we came home, we were ready to come home. And it wasn't like we were trapped at home, you know. It was like, oh, we're just ready to go back home now. And so, and then we all got to take naps. Like it was, it was so great. And it was just like, I can't remember the last time I felt that good where it was like, it even rolled over, like I said, in today where to, I mean, that was yesterday. So it rolled over in today where today was their first day back at school. And it was, I had a moment of where I was like, oh man, yesterday was so perfect. I'm really going to miss them. Like I, I wouldn't have said that two weeks ago you know, <laughs> when I was in the middle of it, you know, having a breakdown <laughs> in my living room. So I think I even posted about it on Instagram that the dog had gotten in the trash one day and that it was all it took. And it broke me. I went outside and like I had just finished. I had like done a four hour video chat with my youngest one. And her teacher and they had gone over all this stuff. And it was four hours of this shit, you know, just sitting here and like, do this paperwork, write your name on this. No, that's four, not five. Like, you know, just correcting your sixes backwards, like blah, blah, blah. And her arguing with me the whole time because we're both the same person. So, you know, we butt heads a lot. And, you know, my oldest one wants me to help her with her math. And I can't because um, I'm dyslexic and I'm, I can't, I'm terrible at math. And they do common core. And I didn't learn that. So I, I physically can't do her math with her. So I'm like, you have to wait till your dad comes home. And, and then I feel like an, a piece of shit because I don't know how to do fucking math. I don't know how to do fourth grade math, you know. And then I go outside and the dog's gotten in the trash and I fucking lost it. And I yeah. did. Like, I. It reminds me of that thing where you're like going nuts about one thing, you're throwing up, and they're like, you're yep. going nuts about this. You're like, you really think it's about this? Yep. You think it's, it's not about, about the, the trash. trash right now? Nope. <laughs> it had, it was not about the trash. It wasn't about the conference call. It wasn't that I was stupid and couldn't do her math. Like, it was, it was, you know, nine months of this shit. And it, like, 
like full disclosure, like I screamed at my children. I threw dishes in the sink. Like I, I screamed at the top of my lungs, like just to do it. I was crying. Like my daughter even messaged my husband and was like, mommy's having a hard time. And that, like, I'm telling you, like, as a parent, oh, I'm going to cry. That's sweet. No, it's sweet when the kids check in. I've had my daughter that she's gotten older. Mm. She will check in with me sometimes. I don't know if it's I do it to her, too. Yeah. She'll like, how you doing? How's it going? Yeah. I hate that she felt that, though, you know? like. Know, but at the same time, you are a yeah. unit. Yeah. And just like yeah. they have their moments, you're going to have your moments. Yeah. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. she recognized that, okay, mom's having a moment. Yeah. Everybody's going to have a moment. That's just life. I felt so bad because it was like, I text my husband. At least I had, I had enough capacity in me to text him and say, you have to come home. You have to come home now. And I was like, I'm not okay. And then he comes in and I'm just like sobbing in the living room. And I'm like, I just can't do this. I cannot do this another day. And, you know, and it was okay. Like, you know, we had, obviously we had a long talk and, and he stayed home, like, you know, for a couple hours each day after that to try to help because it's, it's just so overwhelming. And at one point it made me feel really good the next day when he was there and he was doing the schoolwork with him and he looks at me and he's like, I don't know how you do this. And I'm like, that's all I want to hear is like somebody recognize that I can't keep this together, you know? And also think about when you did have it, how people enclosed in. They were like, oh, shit, even your daughter's like, okay, we got to yeah. change that people yeah. are willing to, okay, we're here. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do when you do finally break? Yeah. Because women like, don't call out for help until we're at that moment. Until, yeah. That and, and that's what he said, too. He was like, you cannot let it get to that point again. But I also want to say how lucky I am that I had somebody that I could call. Because all I could think, even as I'm, like, breaking down, is, like, what do single moms do? Like, who do they call? Who, who do they have to in their corner? I, don't, I mean, and I have to say, I don't have any family here. I have nobody else to rely on except my husband. Like, we can't call friends over right now. It's fucking COVID. You know, like, I can't, I don't have a neighbor I can have come watch them while I go for a drive. Like, it's me and him and them and that's it. It's the four of us against this shit right now. So, like, I'm so fortunate that I have him because I know that there is a situation out there where there's a mom who does not have anybody, who doesn't have a husband, who doesn't have family, who has kids and these demands and is probably trying to work while this is happening without assistance from the government or anything else, you know, to not to get too much on that subject, but, you know, like to try and to make ends meet during this. And all I could think was like, God, I'm so fucking privileged right now. Like, I even, I hated myself more because of that. Yeah, but you can't do that it's in those moments. Yeah, it's you can't level your hurt on something against other hurts, so you'll never be hurt. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and like, you know, it's kind of like that, that saying too, where it's like, you know, your, your pain isn't invalidated because I have more pain. You know what I mean? Like, pain is pain. Like, you feel it. doesn't matter how much of it you feel. It still fucking hurts. Yeah. So, just because I'm not as overwhelmed as other people might be, I'm still fucking overwhelmed. But I just want to say, like, 
if you're listening to this, like, I know. I get it. It fucking sucks. It was a really shitty part of my my week last week. Ugh. But tomorrow is a new day. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I remember, you know, my younger brother told me one time, he's a Marine, and um, he went in the Marine Corps. I think he... He went through basic. I think he was uh, 22, maybe, when he went through. It was a couple of years after. You know, a lot of recruits go in, like, right at 18, mm-hmm. you know, right after graduating high school. And he waited a couple of years before he went in. And he said, I think that was a good advantage for me. He was like, because I, he was like, I was able to recognize that no matter how bad something hurt, it would end. And I knew that, like, yeah. even when he told me that, I remember thinking, like, God, that's such a powerful thought. To own that thought, you know. And you get, I think you learn that more the older you get, especially going through really bad years Mm -hmm. and seeing other people and you're like, I know. And you say, you think it sounds so stupid when people say it, that I know it's bad today. I know Mm -hmm. that. But really, I've been there. I've literally been in a mental institution and it's like, I'm going insane. But you get through it and you come out years later like, oh. Okay, yes, you do get through it, and things get better. Yeah. yeah. You just got to keep moving forward, but you have to keep moving. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the, like, I think the, like I said, the knee-jerk reaction to it is just to be upset and to want to quit and to want to give up. But, you know, there's, there's too much ahead still. There's too much forward. Yeah. It's crazy what can change in six months. I know. I mean, just look at the the past nine months. Uh, how are how altered our lives have been? They they'll be altered all over again in nine months. They'll be completely different in nine months than they are right now. They will be. It's I crazy mean, it's, how yeah. terrible something can be, and months later. Yeah. You just have to keep going. Yeah. I didn't mean for this episode to get so deep. No, I think it's a great reminder. I think a lot of people are having, especially now that everybody's got, I think people thought things were going like, to change the second the year changed. But know. of course, it's 2021 or 21 with, or 2020 with bangs, people yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. I did see a meme that was like, it was, did you ever see the movie Office Space where like the guy's like in the basement and he has the stapler or whatever? Yeah. And he was, there's a meme of like, it's a picture of him. And then at the bottom it says, I was promised COVID would be over after the election. <laughs> <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, mm. if only. I know, if only. So maybe we should give them some uppers and that can us a family. I know. Let's give good stuff to look forward to. Oh, something I did want to mention that's good, that's that's positive, and that's to look ahead. Is that I know this is going to air on um, the twenty eighth, uh, starting February first on Alexa Riley's uh, Instagram page. Go check it out. We're doing giveaways for the entire month of February. We're giving away signed books by Black authors. We're giving away products from Black owned businesses. Supporting and shouting out Black owned women businesses as well, specifically those two, in addition to other Black owned businesses. I have gone through and I've purchased a ton of stuff. So they're all, and a lot of them are products that I personally love and want to support and want to give away. So make sure you check out Alexa Riley's Instagram page. There'll be a ton of, um, 
of giveaways. That's We're just giving it all away. So I'm just giving away products that I've tried myself personally that I love that I can recommend. One of the ones that I really am excited to give away, I have right here. It's, it's the box. It's called uh, Brown Girl Spices <laughs> that I love. Oh, I like that box. Yeah, it's a really pretty box actually, but they have, they have a big uh, sample size box with all these different spices for cooking in it. And they have this lemon dill spice in it that you can make dips out of. And holy fuck, it is so good. We've eaten almost the entire thing, but I ordered another one so that I could do one for a giveaway. And we also have, we have signed books from Kennedy Ryan, from Daniel Allen, uh, from Dylan Allen as well, QB Tyler, and gosh, Naima Simone. Like there, there are several that we have, lots of signed book giveaways. And I also am giving away a copy of, or I think I have three copies. I got three copies of journal from a friend of ours, so that was recommended to us. I actually have the journal, and I've been writing in it, and it's amazing. It's called It's All About the Re. And like I said, you can win these. Um, it's just a daily journal, and I love it because it gives you prompts. Like, you're not just having a blank page. You actually have, it says, like, what does this mean about this? And it starts with a sentence, and you just keep going from there. And it just it's so great. I love to journal, so... We're going to give away lots of those. And like I said, um, just some great stuff. So. Oh, you know what I should probably mention, what? even though we're about to jump into this, now that I was just thinking about it, um, because we were talking about mental health and things going crazy or yeah. whatever, I had an appointment with uh, a, not there, a psyche, whatever they're called, psychiatrist, uh, psychiatrist sorry, yeah, a psychiatrist. new psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I was a little like antsy about it but my friend reminded me something that made me feel so much better before going into this appointment she told me she was like whatever this person says to you you can take it or leave it you need to remember when you go into these things you're hiring these people they're giving you their opinion you don't have to do anything with that you don't have to take what they give you you don't have to do anything so you go in you listen to what they have to say and then you make a decision about that And that made me feel so much better. Like, okay, I'm going into this feeling more in control. Yeah, you have the power. Yeah. Like, yeah, I felt like she gave me back that control in that moment. I was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. So I wanted to say that to anybody who's thinking about that or whatever. So it made me feel a lot better. I love that. Okay. Well, let's give you some more good stuff today that makes you feel powerful. There's probably some hot sex happening. There's definitely some hot sex happening. <laughs> so we're going to play Bailey. for you the, the second half of Renaissance Man by Tessa Bailey, and we'll see you guys on the other side. Bye, guys. Bye. Chapter 3 When Cameron's mother asked her to bond with Harry at the Renaissance Fair, she was reasonably sure this wasn't what she'd had in mind. Being horny was an activity best performed alone. Yet she sat in the stands beside her future stepfather with a damp thong and nipples like thumbtacks. Yes, alone was how Cameron had been spending her horny moments for an embarrassingly long time. Between work and Netflix and sleep, men had just stopped being worth the effort. Didn't it just figure that her first male-induced horniness in years would hit in the middle of a crowd? a crowd where she sat smack dab in the center on a raised dais. Didn't it just figure? 
If she had an ounce of common sense, she would shut down these hot, sticky sensations raising every hair follicle on her body and remind herself that seemingly flawless Kyle did in fact have a huge flaw. Itchy feet. Of course, his wanderlust only added to his nomadic cowboy appeal instead of detracting. Why, oh why, couldn't it detract? He strode out into the arena down below, his gaze seeking her out immediately in the stands and heating. Honestly, how could a man dressed in a breastplate and carrying a shield give her sex eyes and expect her not to melt into a puddle of hair product and mascara? Cameron squirmed in her seat, wishing the coke in her medieval goblet was straight vodka instead. Do you know the fellow in the odd attire? Harry asked, speaking in a fake British accent. He seems quite taken with you. No, I can't say that I know him. Lamenting the fact that her own British accent sounded more like New Jersey, Cameron watched the organizer pair Kyle up with the biggest man in the lineup. Besides him, of course. Ah, I see he'll be battling our defending champion. Harry patted his belly and made a show of his excitement for the crowd. This ought to be interesting. Hmm, yeah. Cameron started to nibble her fingernails, considering for the first time that Kyle could lose. Not that he could get physically hurt. The weapons had been dulled so no one could actually be maimed. Her fear of him failing was allayed, however, when Kyle studied his opponent with a concentrated frown for a moment then nodded and went back to looking like a bored badass. Bonding. She was supposed to be bonding with Harry. Instead, she was considering rushing the performance space and asking for a very different kind of sword to be sheathed. So, um, does mom ever come with you to the fair? Oh, sure. She was relieved when Harry lowered his voice and dropped the accent. She was the prize last year, sat right in that very throng. No way. Cameron laughed, trying to picture the mother who'd always played second fiddle to her birth father, being the center of attention. Why didn't she do it this year? Harry hesitated. She wanted to have something in common with you, he admitted finally. It's hard for her. She wants to relate to you, to have things to talk about, but doesn't know how. He looked sheepish. I told her you would run for the hills once you realized you're the winner's trophy. Guess I was wrong. Yeah, she hedged, chewing her thumbnail. Shame on you. Cameron smiled at Harry to let him know she was only joking, but a crack had formed along her insides. Was her mother really so desperate to connect? After returning to Nashville after college, she'd assumed her mother was busy with the new boyfriend and life. Obviously, she'd been wrong. And kind of blind. Anyway, Harry continued, patting her on the shoulder. We're both happy you're back in town to stay. Your mother can't wait to spend more time with you. Me too, she whispered, honestly. A trumpet distracted Cameron from saying more, signaling the beginning of the sword fight. There were two circles drawn in chalk in the dirt below. Two competitors stood in one, ready to do battle. In the other circle, a third man waited while Kyle sauntered in to join him. 
so deceptively casual when his expression basically said, prepare to be slayed, motherfucker. On guard, said the announcer. Fight. Around Cameron, the crowd roared and came to their feet, leaving her no choice but to join them. Within seconds, she was embodying her role as a princess with her fate in the balance, because Kyle didn't win this round as quickly as the last. He employed a defensive tactic, waiting for his opponent to strike. And he did. Hard. The reigning champion brought his sword down hard, and Kyle blocked it at the last second, drawing gasps from the crowd. He threw his weight forward and knocked the competitor off balance, but before Kyle could press his advantage, the man sliced down with another blow. It clanged off Kyle's shield. Once. Twice. The men took one another's measure again. And it was on. Cameron was only vaguely aware the other fight had ended, leaving Kyle and his opponent the sole competitors in the arena. They circled one another while slashing and dodging, sweat beginning to glare on their foreheads in the afternoon sunlight. When Cameron found out this morning she was being dangled like a carrot to the victor of today's games, she'd been horrified. But hell if she wasn't turned on like crazy in that moment, watching Kyle battle for the honor of claiming her. It was like being transported back in time, watching her true love risk life and limb for his lady. And oh my God, she was losing her fucking mind. Not to mention any sense of modesty. She actually had to position her hair over her breasts so spectators wouldn't mistake her nipples for bullets. Finally, finally, Kyle bested the defending champion, knocking his sword to the ground and kicking it out of the circle with a booted foot. This time, he gave an absent nod to the thundering crowd, but once again spared no time leaving the arena. He caught her eye on the way out, and a feathered pinwheel started spinning in her belly at the visible evidence of his rifling adrenaline. Oh, she was in for it this time. Don't go, whispered the voice of reason in her head. A man with itchy feet will leave you with a bleeding heart. I'll just be in the ladies' room, she murmured to Harry picking up the hem of her dress and speed-walking down the dark hallway, which led to their place behind the stands. As soon as she pushed through the door, Kyle came into view, and he was in the process of stripping off his armor, leaving him gloriously, beautifully shirtless, his true warrior status proven with every scar and roped ripple of sinew. Is this heaven? Cameron said in a daze. Unsmiling, Kyle dropped the armor in the dust and prowled toward her, muscles flexing, enticing her beneath damp, sun-loved skin. Going to kiss that mouth this time, sweetheart. The inner walls of her femininity contracted like a forming fist. I know. Say it, he said, cupping her jaw in his right hand and leaning in. Say yes. Yes. His growl invaded her mouth along with his tongue, and it was lights out. Cameron would have gasped if she'd been able, and nothing surprised her anymore. This man, though, he continued to catch her off guard. The kiss filled in blank spots in her mind she didn't know were empty, 
The sense of belonging and safety would have alarmed her if she wasn't distracted by the onslaught of need. My God, he took up the whole world. His rough and ready body conquered her simply by making contact, sending her hormones into a fit of jumping jacks. Their tongues rolled together in a sensual wave, sliding out and diving for more. They ate at one another, taking bites and finding new directions to explore, to taste. And while his mouth plundered without apology, his thumbs stroked her face with tender touches. Such a contradiction that turned out to be her exact favorite combination. It reminded her that he would be a gentleman when they were done kissing and gave her permission to roll her hips, twist her fingers in the waistband of his jeans. Kyle pulled away with a ragged breath. I need to say something to you. What? The world remained a blur around her. Oh, okay. A shadow crossed his eyes. I spent four months as a prisoner of war. That's why I've got itchy feet. That wasn't a fancy way of telling you I don't do commitment. There's a reason behind it, sweetheart. Her heart dipped into her stomach. I'm sorry, she murmured, kissing his lips. I can't even imagine how terrible that must have been. You don't owe me an explanation. Feels kind of like I do, though, he rasped, trailing a hand down her neck and throat, stopping just short of her breasts. Like I want to owe you one. Oh, she sighed, wondering if he could hear the angels singing too. Explain it to me. I want to listen. Kyle's expression gave away so much about him. His pride, his reluctance to be exposed, how many hard memories he kept buried deep inside. I'll spare you the grisly details, but I spent three months in a cell before rescue arrived. When I was discharged, I camped for the first month, just needing to be outside in the open, the way I was growing up free to come and go without a lock between me and the rest of the world. He exhaled. It's gotten better, living inside four walls. But routine is another story. If I don't change my situation every so often, I begin to feel detained. Compassion flooded her. This man, what he must have been through. I understand, she whispered against his mouth. Not about camping, I could never understand sleeping outside on purpose, but the rest of it. His laugh told Cameron she'd caught him off guard. I tell you I was a POW and you make a joke? Too soon? No. A line formed between his brows. That was exactly what I needed. There was nothing but Kyle at that moment. He took up her whole reality and she did the same for him sensed it, without a doubt. You tell me a secret now, he said gruffly, tucking a strand of hair behind her ear. First thing that pops into your head. I gave up on men two weeks ago, she offered. Far as I can tell, that ain't changed, sweetheart, he drawled. There's only one of me. She moaned as he dropped his mouth to her neck, tracing a snake-like pattern with his tongue up the side. That was so smooth, she managed. Honestly, how dare you? 
He was working her up into such a heated state, she spoke without thinking. Um, sometimes I sneak extra items into subscription boxes when customers have a lower budget, even though it's against the rules. I see you, Kyle said, licking along the seam of her lips. I see that heart. He dipped down a little and rose, rolling his hips against her, letting her feel the outline of his need through their clothing. One more event, Cameron. It took a second for her eyes to uncross. Speaking of swords, Kyle was packing Excalibur, as if he needed one more thing going for him. Are you planning to come home with me? If you invite me. Cameron's expression was skeptical. You almost said if without laughing. Their mouths locked together in a hungry kiss, one that built in steam so fast Cameron wondered if they were in danger of setting the grandstands on fire. Kyle pressed her tight to the wall, his touch still lingering just above her breasts. Waiting for her permission? Yes. She took hold of his hand and molded it to her left breast, reeling at the crackle of possession that seemed to pass through him. He massaged the mound in a sensual rhythm, his tongue entering and leaving her mouth until Cameron felt slickness building on the insides of her thighs. Kyle, she sobbed, pulling away. I should get back. Okay, sweetheart. He reached down between them and palmed his erection with a pained grunt. You know that strategy boxers use where they don't have sex before a fight because it makes them more desperate? He dropped his head into the crook of her neck and laughed. If that theory checks out, we've got this in the bag. Something wicked woke up inside Cameron. A thrilling combination of the day itself, having battles fought for her favor and meeting Kyle. Touching Kyle. Any other day, she might have been too self-conscious to reach down and replace his hand with her own, but her confidence was at an all-time high. It boosted past the clouds when Kyle's head fell back on a jagged groan. Cameron stroked his sex through his jeans, marveling over the length that never seemed to end. Maybe we should work you up just a tiny bit more, she whispered, squeezing the thick bulge in a slow rhythm, dragging her grip up, up toward the tip. Just to make sure you win. He thrust his manhood into her hand, the muscles of his chest and abdomen reflecting the afternoon sunlight. Ah, uh, sweetheart, do you have any idea how bad... Say it, she murmured. Say anything to me. Do you know how bad I want to drive this into your pussy? He covered her hand and they stroked him together, their exhales like tiny explosions between them. Just a little more, Cameron. God. Her hand had only journeyed once more from base to tip when the trumpets whomped from the other side of the wall. Cameron found herself apologizing with her mouth as Kyle took her hand and ground himself one final time against the palm. Go win me, she said in between frantic goodbye kisses. When he kept returning to kiss her cheeks, nose, mouth, and chin, she laughed and shoved him toward his discarded equipment. Get dressed, you crazy person. Walking down the hallway to reclaim her seat seconds later, Cameron's smile started to fade. Something was happening here. 
It felt big. How could it also be temporary? Chapter 4 Putting on a suit of armor while sporting the most painful blue balls of his lifetime was going on his top ten list of least favorite activities. What led up to those blue balls, however, took the top spot on his favorite list. Christ, this woman did things to him, made him hunger, made him feel like he stood on shaky ground, made him think and laugh and wish things were different. What if things could be different? What if someday he learned to stay in one place, and Cameron was also in that place, with him? With a building pressure in his chest, Kyle clinked his way into the arena, raising his jousting lance above his head when the crowd broke into whistles and applause. His exasperated opponent was already seated on top of a horse. A second stallion waited for Kyle to mount. He caught a flash of pink out of the corner of his eye and knew Cameron had returned to her seat. Something inside of Kyle relaxed at having her safe and close by. I'll say one thing for you, the announcer droned into the microphone. You definitely like to build the suspense. Yeah, Kyle's opponent said from atop his horse. You're going to make me late for my loot lesson. We can't have that, Kyle muttered, setting down his lance and taking the reins of his horse, preparing to get on. Unfortunately, the horse was in no mood to cooperate. Before Kyle could throw his leg over the back of the animal, it whinnied and pranced sideways, avoiding him. He tried again and was thwarted once more, so he stepped back to drag a hand down his face. Any suggestions, fellas? Kyle couldn't be sure, but he thought he heard a laugh coming from inside his opponent's helmet. Maybe he doesn't appreciate a tardy rider. Gentlemen, the announcer broke in holding his hand over the microphone. Try speaking gently to the horse, he directed at Kyle. Finesse him a little bit. Finesse. Kyle pinched the bridge of his nose. Fucking A. He chanced to look up at Cameron in the stands and found her burying her face in the material of her dress, her shoulders shaking with laughter. Sighing through a smile, Kyle ran a hand along the horse's flanks, over his neck and head. Listen, man, he whispered to the horse. We need to work together here. Haven't you ever felt a certain way about a mare? Like maybe you could hang around the paddock a while longer if she's in it. Yeah, I see that look in your eye. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So let's beat loot lessons, guy, all right? You with me? Hell, if the horse didn't roll his eyes at Kyle. But this time the animal remained stationary and let him climb on. A man in a court jester costume scurried over from the sidelines and handed Kyle the padded tip lance he'd left on the ground. Thanks. Recalling the informal riding lessons he'd taken from a rancher during the week his parents camped in Wyoming, Kyle gave the horse's sides a gentle kick and clicked his tongue, surprised when the animal actually complied. On the way to his starting point, Kyle glanced over at the perimeter of the arena and saw Jason and Naomi standing there with snow cones in hand, their jaws on the ground. Told you I'd find something to keep me busy, Kyle called to his friend. If I don't make it, delete my browser history. Kyle turned to the horse and faced Loot Lessons guy, who was raring to go at the far opposite side of the barrier. The announcer had shoved off to his place in front of the audience and produced a red flag. 
Brave knights, he said, after going through a brief set of rules. You have shown great courage and advanced to the final round of our ninth annual jousting tournament. A round of applause, if you please. The clapping subsided after a few moments. The man who emerges victorious will claim a date with our illustrious king's fair daughter. Jason's hearty laugh reached Kyle, and he gave his friend the finger. But he was smiling thanks to Cameron giving a beauty pageant wave and drawing a wealth of whistles from the audience. If you are ready, men, please raise your lances and prepare to do battle. Here goes nothing, Kyle muttered as the flag went down. He kicked the horse into action, keeping the lance steady, its padded, non-deadly tip pointed at Loot Lessons guy. He retreated into a zone he hadn't been inside of since the service, a calm settling over him. The sounds of the stadium faded into a hum and time slowed down. As the other rider approached, he took stock of the man's lance position and adjusted his own, tightening his grip. It made contact with the lower part of his opponent's breastplate, jostling the man in the saddle. But he reacted like he'd been shot throwing his hands up in the air theatrically and shouting a denial. The atmosphere around Kyle turned to a normal speed, and he slowed the horse, dismounting to the sound of the crowd's loud approval. He laid a hand on the horse's neck and scratched, handing the reins to the court jester a few seconds later. Brave knight, Kyle Musgrave of Nashville, I summon you forth to receive the hand of this fair maiden. Kyle stripped off his armor one piece at a time on his way to face the king and Cameron. Single-stem flowers flew from all directions, out of the stands, and landed at his feet, but he paid attention to none of it. The adrenaline pumping in his veins had nothing to do with the competition he'd just succeeded in winning. No, that was Cameron making his blood race. She stood so beautifully beside her future stepfather cheeks blooming with color as the announcer signaled her forward to a platform elevated just above where Kyle stood. Before the announcer could rattle off another mixture of old and new English into the microphone, Kyle plucked it out of his hands. Cameron. Her brown eyes shot wide. Yes? Do you want to go on this date with me, sweetheart? The edges of her mouth softened into a smile, telling Kyle she understood his intent. She'd been presented as the prize, but here in front of everyone, he wanted to make it clear she was making the choice to be claimed. Yes, Kyle Musgrave, she announced. I want to go on a date with you. He tossed the microphone back to the announcer, just in time to catch Cameron, who jumped into his arms. They smiled at each other as he walked them down the hallway and out of the arena. Applause followed them down the path toward the entrance, and it didn't take long until they encountered Jason, Naomi, and the baby, who was fast asleep against his father's chest. Jesus, I leave you for one hour, Jason drawled. Kyle chuckled. Jason, Naomi? He hefted her higher against his chest. This is Cameron. Cameron tapped him on the shoulder. You can put me down now. I like you where you are. Kyle responded, grunting. Cameron made an exasperated sound, but finally turned a dazed smile on his friends. Nice to meet you both, even in these totally bizarre circumstances. Naomi's hands were clasped together beneath her chin, 
her gaze bouncing back and forth between Kyle and Cameron. Jason, isn't this just the most romantic thing you've ever seen in your life? He blinked at his wife. If you're not including me showing up in Charleston, oh, she said, waving him off. That was pretty good, too. Pretty good? Naomi ignored Jason. Kyle, you take this woman on a proper date now, do you hear me? I won't hear of anything less from a southern man. Kyle whispered a silent apology to his blue balls. Apparently they would be a deep shade of navy a while longer. Yes, Naomi. Mouth twitching, Jason jerked his chin toward the entrance. Go on, I'm calling us an Uber with a baby seat. No, I'll drive you back to my place. Won't hear of it. Jason split another look between him and Cameron, his expression reminding Kyle of a man who'd just learned a juicy secret. Go on, get. Kyle didn't need to be told twice. He wrapped his arms as tight as they would go around Cameron and went. I mean, I, I guess it depends, Cameron breathed as they stopped at a red light. What's your version of a date? I have granola bars and Fanta at my apartment. We could picnic on the living room floor. Boom, date. Kyle made a pained sound that echoed exactly how she was feeling. If I get you on the floor, sweetheart, we're not having a picnic. He reached across the console and squeezed her thigh. We can do better than orange soda. There's nothing better than orange soda. See? He winked at her as they rolled into the intersection. Fanta fetishes are the kind of things I'm supposed to learn about you on a date. Cameron sighed through a laugh, but inwardly she was ordering herself not to climb onto Kyle's lap while the vehicle was in motion. Had she ever been this turned on in her entire life? No, absolutely not. She might have steamed up her reading glasses with some sexy books in her time, but even those fictional heroes couldn't compare to the real live one driving her home. Kyle's shirt was sweaty from being underneath the suit of armor, his tricep flexed every time he turned the wheel, and that smile. The promise of debauchery behind it had Cameron squirming in the passenger seat. Oh, an idea occurred to her. There's an ice cream shop on my block. That's date material, isn't it? Kyle scrubbed at his jaw. Still doesn't seem good enough. Cameron blew out a breath and signaled Kyle to make a right. What's your idea of an ideal date anyway? Don't know, sweetheart, he said. I don't go on them very often. You're a lying liar pants. The lines around his eyes crinkled in amusement. No, I'm not usually... His good humor faded in degrees. I don't stay in one place for long. Dating leads to expectations, and that isn't fair to anyone. His frown built, a muscle shifting in his cheek. Is this unfair to you, Cameron? Yes, that was the answer that sprang to mind. She'd just had the most incredible experience with Kyle at the fair. Now she'd go on one single date with him and they would end up in bed. With the attraction pulling them together like magnets, that ending was simply inevitable. Her heart warned her she would never forget him, that every man would be compared to him going forward. But it wasn't unfair, was it? He'd been honest with her. And if she didn't reach out, take this experience and revel in it for all it was worth, 
she'd regret it. No, it's not. I know the score. With her apartment building coming into view ahead, Cameron took a bracing breath and looked over at Kyle. And I still want this. I want you. Feeling herself flush beneath his scrutiny, she waved a hand at the approaching curb. This is my place. You can park anywhere. Kyle did as she asked, turning off the car and rounding the back bumper to open the door for her. She took Kyle's offered hand, allowing herself to be pulled from the car. With their bodies a mere inch apart, he wet his lips and zeroed in on her mouth. At the last second, though, his nostrils flared and he stepped back, leading her in the direction of the ice cream shop. So, willing her optimism to the fore, Cameron bumped a still-frowning Kyle with her shoulder. Since you don't date, allow me to guide you through the correct process step-by-step. Still appearing distracted, Kyle opened the door of the ice cream shop, rubbing the small of her back as she walked past. I'll try and keep up. They stopped in front of the glass case containing two dozen colors and flavors of ice cream. The date will start off pretty well. You'll compliment me, ask me about my family, and we'll find something in common. And then before I can take my second bite of ice cream, the deal breakers will commence. He cut her a sideways glance. What do you consider a deal breaker? Just got out of a serious relationship, orders water with no ice, wants to talk about his college backpacking trip, checks his phone more than nine times before the appetizer. Kyle turned to face her, brushing his knuckles over her cheek and sighing. What kind of useless men have you been dating, sweetheart? I... Cameron became transfixed by the sincerity in his eyes. I don't know. I can't remember a single one of them right now. Something primal flared in Kyle's face, and he leaned in to kiss her. Can I help you? Came a voice from behind the counter. Kyle and Cameron shared a frustrated laugh and placed their orders, Kyle going with Rocky Road and Cameron settling on Tutti Frutti. They walked with their ice cream cones back toward her apartment, Kyle playing with her fingers where their free hands dangled between them. How did things go with Harry? Cameron ordered herself to focus, even though there definitely needed to be a law against Kyle licking ice cream in public. Holy cheese. He wasn't shy about it. Um, really well, actually. She shook her head. My mother was the jousting prize at last year's Renaissance Fair. And the year before. Kyle hooted. Get out of town. It's true, apparently being pimped out is my legacy. She took a bite of her ice cream, noticing Kyle's lingering attention on her mouth, the low rumbling sound he made. I guess I've been so busy since college, I haven't made enough time to work on our relationship. She had to resort to publicly humiliating me just so we would have something in common. With a wrinkled brow, he drew her hand to his mouth, kissing the back. You weren't humiliated, were you? Sweetheart? Not at the end, she murmured. You made sure of that. He turned her hand over, kissing the inside of her wrist. Was there a method to her madness, or was it just madness? No, it worked. Cameron made the realization as she spoke. I can't wait to laugh with her about it tomorrow at the wedding. Kyle's mouth curved into a smile against her wrist. Good. 
he said. Are you a bridesmaid? No, it's a small ceremony, she murmured. I mean, thank goodness I'm not a bridesmaid, right? I don't think I could go another day in chiffon. This is your one and only date with him. That reminder made Cameron want to learn as much as she could. Because she was apparently a masochist. How do you know Jason and Naomi? Jason and I met overseas, served together. His eyes twinkled briefly. I once stole a boat to get him to a medic. He had a stab wound in his back. Cameron swallowed. You say that so casually. They didn't break eye contact for several beats. Makes it easier. He cleared his throat. You saved me a few times, too. We've been through too many scrapes to count. Enough that I felt comfortable crashing on his couch in Florida one weekend. Come to find out, he has a tenant living above his garage, Naomi, and they're fighting the love something fierce. The fondness in his laughter made her smile. It was only a matter of time. They reached her building, and she handed Kyle her ice cream so she could unlock the door, but she fumbled them as nerves began attacking from all sides. Positioned behind her as she finally inserted the key into the lock, Kyle's mouth roamed up the side of her neck, his breath carrying the scent of chocolate and marshmallows. What are you wearing? A moan slipped out. Like, right now? To the wedding, sweetheart. Oh. The door opened and she almost stumbled forward into the vestibule, but caught herself at the last second. Um, green silk? Ka kind of halter situation? She sent Kyle a look over her shoulder, finding his gaze predatory while it roamed over her bottom. I'm on the first floor. He took a giant bite out of his ice cream licking the excess from his lips. You want any more of this? No. Without looking, he tossed both half-eaten cones into the lobby trash can and dusted off his hands. Lead the way, Cameron. Oh, God. Her sex clenched, her legs wobbling as she climbed the stairs. Was she really bringing this man into her apartment for a one-night stand? One-night stands were supposed to be casual. Scratching an itch and moving on. No muss, no fuss. Meanwhile, she could just as easily picture Kyle waking up beside her and discussing his plans for the day. Walking through her door after a day at work, kissing her, asking what they should cook for dinner. Stop, Cameron. She'd made the decision to live in the moment with Kyle and not think about tomorrow. She wasn't changing her mind couldn't when her body needed him this badly. In the name of survival, she needed to stop wondering if her heart needed him just as much. When they entered her apartment and Kyle boosted her onto the narrow entry table, his hands already climbing her thighs, thoughts of tomorrow fled under the rush of desperate, consuming hunger. Cameron, he gritted against her panting mouth. Kyle, she hiccuped allowing the ensuing kiss to pull her under. Kyle, she hiccuped, allowing the ensuing kiss to pull her under. Chapter 5 To operate effectively as a special forces soldier, a man needed to be regimented, yes, but he also needed a reckless streak. 
Until that morning, Kyle never had one when it came to matters of the heart. Nothing and no one had ever brought him to this point. Like he didn't have a choice but to consume. Consume Cameron greedily until he couldn't breathe or think about anything but her. That's where he was now, trying to yank the pink dress up to her hips and wedge himself between her thighs. It was impossible to perform both tasks at the same time, but his head wasn't listening. Mine, mine, mine. The tiny entry table had the misfortune of being the first available surface inside Cameron's apartment, and it banged off the wall now, wood against sheetrock, leaving marks behind. Not ideal in one respect and fucking perfect in another, because the piece of furniture was the ideal height and width. It put Cameron's pussy on level with his lap, and its proximity to the wall meant when he got her thighs spread and his cock planted deep, she wasn't moving. Finally, Kyle succeeded in rucking the dress up around her waist, leaving her tiny pink thong exposed. Look at how wet you made that little strip of nothing, he rasped, pushing her knees open for a long look. Those panties weren't this damp when I pulled you off the fence this morning, sweetheart, were they? No, she whimpered when Kyle trailed his tongue down her throat and across her cleavage. So you admit you looked at my panty area? His mouth returned to Cameron's, his hands circling around back to squeeze her fine ass for the first time, groaning when it was smooth and supple to the touch. I guess you caught me. He slipped a finger under the strap of her thong and lightly raked the calloused pad over her back entrance, making her jerk and moan on the table. Easy girl, just petting you. He and Cameron were just getting started but she was already exceeding his wildest fantasies. She'd soaked her panties to the skin and was so turned on her tits were about to pop free of the dress for all the panting she was doing. God damn, she was one hell of a woman. His match. Right here in front of him with her legs open, absolute trust in her beautiful eyes. Kyle stripped off his t-shirt and fell to his knees, craving the opportunity to worship her needing to. Her scent was intoxicating, and he dove forward to capture it, sliding his tongue under the pink string of her thong and teasing her clit. He kissed it, soothed it with his lower lip, then batted it with the tip of his tongue until she gave a closed-mouth scream, her thighs clamping around his head. Kyle, Kyle. She almost slid off the edge of the table. But he pushed her thighs wide and nudged her back on with his face, working her clit between his lips as she began bucking her hips, rolling them toward his mouth. I'm going to come. I'm going to come. Fuck. Kyle dropped a hand to his fly to unzip, reached into his pants and tugged out his cock, determined to be inside of Cameron when she climaxed. One problem, though... He couldn't get enough of her pussy, not for the fucking life of him. He grunted against her flesh, licking and lapping at her while he stroked himself off, growing more and more eager for the moment she went over the edge. God, he wanted to taste it, wanted to be introduced to the flavor he'd crave for the rest of his life. Please, Cameron wailed, her hips growing more and more restless. No, please, please, I want you inside me. Kyle was already on his feet, somehow already conditioned to fulfill this woman's every whim. 
He'd learn the taste of her later, he vowed to appease himself as he stroked his hard length through her wetness. You're going to get it so fucking hard, sweetheart. That's what's been making you wet all day, knowing what was coming. Yes, she said on a shaky exhale. I know, don't make me wait. Never, he managed, inching himself inside her slick entrance. She didn't make it easy, clenching around him and squirming on the table, but Kyle finally filled her enough to thrust the rest of the way, and he did, hard. The table slammed off the wall, and Cameron threw back her head and screamed at the ceiling, her reaction almost setting off Kyle's orgasm. Somehow he held back through the insane pressure that immediately turned him inside out. How could anyone feel this perfect? With her thighs hugging his hips and the walls of her pussy welcoming him with a rhythmic clench and release, Cameron was paradise. And she'd been out in the world existing all this time. The realization that he never would have met her if he'd bailed on the Renaissance Fair had Kyle jerking her lower body closer, his lips getting lost in the wealth of her dark hair, racing up and down her exposed neck. For the first time since being released from that enemy prison, he was exactly where he was supposed to be, right there with Cameron. Being without her would have put him in a trap. With her, he was set free. Kyle, she sobbed, her heels digging into his ass. I need you. I need you too. He pushed through his teeth, meaning it in every sense of the word. His mouth continued its journey to the neckline of her dress, his tongue sliding between her skin and the material, raking over her jutting nipples. That contact made her pussy cinch up around him, whimpers of his name leaving her in bursts. God damn, he grunted. Hottest little thing I've ever been inside of. She started to say something, but Kyle rocked into her, smacking the table off of the wall once again. Oh my god, she breathed. You want more? Are you kidding? Kyle smiled into their next kiss, his hips beginning to pump at an increasing pace, his cock seeming to swell with every glide into his tight new home between her thighs. Shit, she was incredible. Being physical with a woman usually meant holding a part of himself back, unwilling to let anyone see the deepest parts of him the parts he buried, determined to deal with alone. But he couldn't keep a single thing from Cameron. He looked her right in the eye and fucked her like tomorrow would never come, rasping filthy nonsense against her parted lips. Their bodies were pressed so tightly together he could feel her clit swelling against the sliding trunk of his cock, knew she was getting close, which should have given him permission to let his own peak take over. God knew he needed it after he spent half the day with an erection. But Kyle found he didn't want this first time with Cameron to end. Please, God, don't let it end. That was unrealistic. He knew it was. But if he could just absorb more of her, more, she'd live inside him forever. After seeing to their protection, Kyle surged to his feet and attacked her mouth in a feverish kiss. You ever going to wear this dress again? What? Her dazed brown eyes made something seize up in his chest. I don't know anything right now. Let's go with no. Kyle's hands met in the center of her neckline and ripped the pink chiffon straight down the center. 
his hips wrenched forward at the same time, crowding Cameron up against the wall, and she went off like a bomb, her fingernails digging into his shoulders, screaming his name. Teeth clenched, Kyle stayed deep, grinding into Cameron's squeezing pussy, ordering himself to wait. Wait. Not let it end. Mad a girl, he crooned in between thorough kisses of her mouth. You get off on this cock now. Memorize the size and shape of it. That's your fucking ride, sweetheart. That's the reason your pussy gets wet. With her sex still constricting around him, Cameron arched her back and offered her tits, which Kyle gladly lowered his mouth to suck. And ah, Jesus, the taste of her pebbled nipples made him frantic. Kyle curled his fists in the tattered ruins of her dress where it had fallen around her hips, and he began using the garment to jerk her toward him, hard, hard, over and over quickening the pace of his hips until his snarls were drowned out by the repeated smacking of their joined flesh. Kyle couldn't quell the impulse to bite her neck, raking his teeth down the slope of her shoulder, then back up to her ear. Going to come inside my tight, sexy prize now, he groaned, the bottom of his spine beginning to pulse. Open your thighs wider and give the winner what he wants. He only spent a split second worrying that his lust might have grasped the reins too tightly, but there was no need. Cameron's eyes rolled back in her head, and her legs started to shake again, her mouth forming an O oh as her second orgasm crested. And Kyle couldn't hold off his own climax after that. He pumped into Cameron's quickening flesh one final time, his hands twisting in the ripped fabric of her dress and he gave in to the greatest pleasure of his life. Christ, sweetheart, Christ, he panted, wave after wave of relief sweeping him. Even at the end of the most epic battles he'd fought, his legs had never lost power. But they did now, forcing Kyle to lean into Cameron, moaning into a slow, reassuring kiss she seemed to sense he needed. Mine. He stayed like that for a full minute, catching their breaths, Cameron's arms sliding hesitantly around his neck. Comfort rocked him, and something more, something he couldn't name. The entire day had been building to this collision of bodies. Where did they go from here, though? He was scheduled to surrender his apartment in a matter of days. Where had this woman come from? Kyle didn't know, but he wasn't ready to leave the sanctuary of their world not by a damn sight. So he gathered Cameron's limp body in his arms and carried her toward the back of the apartment where he assumed the bedroom was located. With Cameron's head lolling against his shoulder, he towed open the first door on the left, finding the exact room he would have pictured for his Cameron. A wash in the early evening sunset glow, crystals and dream catchers dangling in the window, refracted rainbows dancing on the walls. A multicolored quilt covered her bed. Unfolded laundry kicked to one corner. A coffee maker was set up on her bedside table as if she couldn't even operate well enough in the morning to make it to the kitchen. He thought of Cameron waking up in this homey scene and pushing her long brown hair out of her eyes. And his heart swelled so dramatically, a gruff sound left him. Cameron's hand climbed his chest. Kyle, are you okay? Yeah, he managed. She opened her mouth and closed it, 
if you have to go, I don't. Kyle leaned down to capture her lips, kissing her until the tension drained from her body once again. Can I stay for a while? She looked so beautiful, but so solemn. You can stay as long as you want, Officer Kyle Musgrave. With a fist in his throat, Kyle laid Cameron down on the bed, dragging the remains of her dress off and away. Her back molded to his front as if they'd been fashioned from clay by an expert. The sensation filled Kyle with such an amazing sense of homecoming, he had to swallow several times. It only took Cameron a matter of seconds to fall asleep when he covered them both in the quilt. But Kyle stayed awake much longer. Cameron woke up alone. She sensed that reality even before opening her eyes. Kyle's masculine scent lingered, but there was no weight pulling down his side of the mattress, as she'd grown accustomed to throughout the night. Tears heated behind her eyelids, and she turned over, letting them fall into the pillow. When she'd met Kyle at the Renaissance Fair, she'd thought he was a dream. It felt that way now, as if she'd imagined him while unconscious. The beard burns and sore twinges of Cameron's body dispelled that theory, though. He'd been real, all right. And now he was gone. She closed her eyes, and scenes from yesterday began rolling as if she'd hit play on a remote control. Kyle swaggering into the arena, the corners of his eyes crinkling as he laughed, stroking his dark blonde beard. His powerful body exerting itself for her pleasure, teeth bared, her name ripping up his throat. Cameron released a shuddering breath and forced herself out of bed. What was she going to do? Lie here all day and miss her mother's wedding? It wasn't possible to have her heart broken after one day with a man. It wasn't. Right? As she showered and dressed, however, she found herself lethargic, bumping into furniture and staring into the distance, like her ability to function had been diminished with Kyle's appearance and subsequent disappearance in her life. She'd been a total idiot to think she could sleep with a man who affected her so deeply and walk away without incurring any fallout. Looking into her full-length mirror as she zipped the back of her knee-length green silk dress, she gave herself a pep talk. Come on, Cameron. He told you he was leaving town. It's your fault for getting attached. She secured the sparkly hair clip at the nape of her neck and collected some smudged eyeliner with her pinky. I'm in severe danger of getting loaded at this wedding, she muttered. But as Cameron collected her purse and clicked on silver stilettos toward the front door, she steeled her shoulders, determined to be a positive presence at the wedding. Yesterday had been arranged to bring her closer to Harry, to her mother. Today was about them, not her ridiculous heartache. With a blown-out breath, Cameron locked the door to her apartment, walked down the stairs, and stepped out of the building. Only to find Kyle leaning back against his truck, a tuxedo hugging every muscular inch of his warrior body. Hey. He released a low whistle, running his gaze over her in a long sweep. Damn, sweetheart. I loved you in pink, but you're going to kill me in green. Cameron dropped her purse and stooped down to pick it up, lightheaded from the sudden rapid-fire beating of her pulse. Oh, God. 
Was she dreaming again? He couldn't really be back, could he? What are you doing here? Eyebrow arched, Kyle pushed off the truck and opened the passenger side door. I came to take you to the wedding, Cameron. He paused, watching her with an intensity that rooted her to the concrete. If that's what you want. Yes, she managed, her heartbeat booming in her ears. Of course I do. Relief passed over his handsome face. Okay, then. The muscle shifted in his cheek. Let's go. I don't want to be late the first time I meet your mother. There was no help for it. The tears welled, prickling the backs of her eyelids. The first time? He reached Cameron in a few measured steps, took her hand and guided her to the truck. Saying nothing, he helped her climb in and engaged her seatbelt, brushing a kiss over her lips when he'd finished the task. Cameron sat dumbfounded as the passenger door closed, but a stapled bundle of paperwork on the dashboard caught her attention. Fingers tingling, she reached out and drew it to her lap. After reading the same few lines ten times, she realized what it was. Kyle climbed into the driver's side and started the truck. This is an apartment lease. The beginning of the term is next week, Cameron said, turning on him. You're staying in Nashville? He reached across the console, framing her face with a tender hand. Hell yes, I'm staying, Cameron. This is where you are, isn't it? She unhooked the seatbelt and launched herself across the truck where Kyle welcomed her in a bear hug, rocking her side to side, his heart pounding like a steel drum against her ear. He was probably wrinkling her dress, but who the hell cared when this man was holding her like he'd won the lottery? And she was the fortune? I, I wasn't sure if I was the only one who... It was all real, right? This is... Special. Kyle finished, tipping her chin up and kissing her mouth softly. Special enough to send me home at midnight and wake up my house guests to figure out which moving box I packed this tuxedo in. Another lingering kiss. Special enough that I felt sick being away from you even that long. Special is an understatement, sweetheart. I don't think my life is going to be complete until my day begins with waking up beside you. His image blurred along with her vision. What about your itchy feet? Kyle shook his head. They were leading me straight to you, Cameron. Tessa Bailey has a brand new surprise release just in time for Valentine's Day. It's called The Sweetest Fix. An all-new sizzling romantic comedy from New York Times bestselling author Tessa Bailey. Reese dreams of seeing her name in lights on Broadway, but so far she's only graced the used car parking lots of rural Wisconsin. With her window of opportunity shrinking fast, a miracle happens. She wins an audition with Bernard Bexley, Broadway's most respected dance choreographer. When disaster strikes and Reese misses the audition, she has to find another way in front of Bernard, otherwise face the disappointment back home. Following the sage advice of a Times Square Pikachu, Reese seeks out Bernard's son, prepared to beg for his aid, never expecting mega sparks to fly between her and the gentle giant Baker. With Reese's heart now involved, she refuses to use Leo to her advantage and tries to walk away before her ulterior motives are exposed. 
but gravity continues to draw them back together until it's impossible to stay apart. But Reese's lie of omission can only stay buried for so long. When Leo finds out how the relationship started, will Reese keep her ultimate role as Leo's leading lady, or will the curtain fall on the real-life fairy tale? Grab the sweetest fix. It's brand new from Tessa Bailey. Surprise release. Like I said, just in time for Valentine's Day. Go grab it, ladies, right now. Welcome back. Hi. <laughs> so as far as next week's go, I'm still hesitant to say because I'm waiting to hear back. It depends on which audio we get back first <laughs> is what's going to happen next week. But join us next week. We will have more for you. We'll be back here on Tuesday with something fun and fabulous, no matter which one it is. Tomorrow is um, a release from us. The oh, baby yes. At camp. We have, yes, Secret Baby at Camp. It's the last book in the Camp Hardwood series. We're so fucking excited to finally have it. It comes out tomorrow. Yeah, it comes out Friday, the, the 29th. Yep. So be on the lookout for it everywhere. Like I said, follow us on Instagram, uh, read me, at Read Me Romance, or on our Instagram at Author Alexa Riley. We're going to be doing tons of giveaways uh, for the whole month of February. So, And don't forget that if you're looking for a new release right now, you can always check out the new release tab that is updated every Wednesday with new releases for ebooks and audio. Yes. Go up to the quick links on Instagram or you can follow us on our Facebook page and click the link from there. Or you can join our Facebook group, Read Me Romance Headquarters, where Mel's going to post a video about a book she's looking for. Oh, okay. Yes, I will do yeah. that. I made a All note. Right. I'm going to remind you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance.